golf and rock and roll. Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway. Don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going. We were born to drive. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on FM 96.9 The Game. Hey, bring me another bucket of balls. We love it. And turn on the lights. I love the lane. Because I love it. We love it. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4, in the house, Holly G, and Molto Bene Francesco Molinari as the champion golfer of the year, finishing out the Open Championship on the toughest links in golf. Mr. Steady, getting the job done. Minus eight, a cool 69. And as I said last week, he was one of the hottest golfers coming into the Open Championship. And he was cool under pressure with three wins and now a runner-up twice in the past two months. Uh, Not too surprised that Francesco got the job done. Of course, we thought we were going to see for a few minutes at least maybe a half hour, the glimpse of something else special, which was Tiger Woods winning his 15th major as uh, the ratings went through the roof. And probably uh, anybody you knew who remotely was interested in golf was watching on uh, mid-Sunday afternoon to see if history was going to be made. One of the greatest comebacks ever we were on the verge of in sports. However, I think now it builds even more as we approach the fourth and final major, the PGA Championship, to see where Tiger's game is going to go in the next few weeks. He was there, wire to wire, covering it all. Spoke to us live last week from Scotland. We're going to check in with him to get his thoughts on this amazing finish at Carnoustie. Bob Herrick from ESPN.com on the line. Hey, Bob. Hey, how are you, Holly? Fantastic. Um, just tell us what it was like in, in the press room as this thing was going down. I think your your uh, sidekick there, Michael Collins, said if you lit a match in the media center, it would have blown up. There was so much electricity in the air. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you had so many things going on there. Um, you know, just the up and down nature. I mean, Jordan speaks. It was incredible. The three guys who were tied for the lead, Jordan, Schofley, and Kevin Kisner, all made double bogeys within the first seven holes of the round. Um, you know, and it just opened up the door for all kinds of possibilities. You know, Rory had a chance. Uh, Justin Rose coming from behind had a chance. Uh, Eddie Pepperell, who admitted he had had too much to drink the night before, went out and shot a low round and was in the clubhouse, and 500 was looking pretty good for a little while. Uh, so, 
Uh, and then, of course, Tiger being there, too, and getting on top of the leaderboard with uh, eight holes to go. Um, you know, he, he wasn't able to, to get through that stretch, but I, I, I think if you, again, step back, um, you know, the fact that he was even in that position, uh, you know, relatively early in this comeback, you know, a year removed from so much uncertainty um, was really was really neat to see. And, uh, and then, obviously, Molinari played a terrific round. No bogeys on that golf course. No bogeys on the weekend. Uh, 37 you know, that, holes. Yeah, that, that course is amazingly difficult. Uh, especially on, on Sunday, not as much Saturday, but on Sunday. And, um, you know, he, uh, he got the job done and played along Tiger too, which, which is not easy to do. It's not, it doesn't have anything to do with the fact that he would be intimidated as it is just the commotion that goes along with playing with Tiger. The, the, you know, just all the added stuff, the, the media, the photographers, the fans, as we saw somebody yelled on 18 and Tiger's backswing. That easily can happen to his opponents, you know, or his playing partners. And, you know, he, he handled it beautifully. It was a great, a great win for Molinari. And, uh, and hopefully he'll, he'll get his due for it because it was, uh, it was impressive. Yeah, I tweeted out early on um, in the front nine. I said that Molinari was going about his business, solid string of pars, stealthily working his way around Carnoustie, keeping Tiger in his sights. I said, don't count him out. Yeah, you know, it's funny as it went on, he kept looking up and he he just was hanging in there, you know. I mean, he hit just like everybody else, he missed a few greens, he hit some wayward shots, but he recovered. You know, and he 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 never wavered on any tough, you know, any of those tricky 4-5 footers. Made them all, you know, and uh uh you know, I kind of half expected him to at least make one bogey somewhere, make it interesting. Uh, and, it, and it never happened, you know. And he's always been uh, a, a very, very good ball striker. He's well known for that for 10, 12 years. That's been his mo. Uh, but his his putting has has let him down, you know, a little bit like Rory in that regard. And uh, and interestingly enough, he's been working with a guy named Phil Kenyon, who Rory has worked with too. And something clicked this year. You know, we've seen we've seen a great. It's not just. This tournament, he won the Quicken Loans by eight. He won the BMW PGA in May, um, and playing with Rory in the final round, by the way, uh, and uh, you know had a runner-up finish at the John Deere the, week, the Sunday before. So it's been some uh, it's been some really good golf for him, and uh, uh, you know, it, and, and why can't it continue? Has he always been sort of this? Um, you know, I mean, he just seems like such a cool customer. You know, like the pulse is 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 barely pumping, um, or you yeah. know, he mentioned too having worked with a a, a sports performance um, coach. Do, do you think that has helped? He just said, "I felt really good that morning, and I was ready for the challenge." Yeah, and I mean that uh, you know uh, the fact that he that he was able to, um, I think block out all the distractions that come with playing with Tiger. Forget about Tiger's game, just the distractions that come with that. You know, he had an added burden on him. You know, um, you know, uh, I, I believe it was, uh, it might have been Kisner who was playing with Kevin, Kevin Chappell. Yep. Now, you know, no, no offense to either guy, 
But those guys don't have the same, except for their own, in, in, you know, in inner pressure, of course, which is huge. But they do have the same commotion around them. You know, Molinari did. You know, third to last group, um, all that clamoring, people running around. And that, I just found that to be very impressive, you know. And, uh, and we've been there when uh, they're 15 deep around the, you know, tee boxes and the greens. Not to mention 100 photographers inside the ropes. You know, uh, you know, how many were there with, uh, with Kisner and Chapel? Maybe 10, you know, it's just different, you know, and, uh, and obviously Tiger's been dealing with this forever, but, you know, Molinari has dealt with it before too. He's twice played Tiger and Ryder Cup singles. And, uh, uh, you know, that, that's a, that's gotta be an experience that helped him. Uh, and, um, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's had some big moments himself in golf, but, you know, he's just sort of here the last few years been a bit under the radar. You know, hasn't done a whole lot. Uh, but now, all of a sudden, you know, that career looks really good. So, uh, it's Italy's first major champion. This has got to be huge, uh, taking it back to his country. Yeah, it's and it's not a big sport in Italy, you know. And, uh, um, you know, they've, they've only had a handful of... of of big name players. I mean, going back to Costantino Rocca, who also has a history with Tiger, of course, uh, you know, the guy who lost to John Daly in the playoffs at St. Andrews in 95, uh, also played in the final group with Tiger when he won his first masters. And he, he, uh, he beat Tiger in, in the Ryder cup that year. Uh, and then you've had obviously Francisco's brother, Eduardo, who's been kind of down on his luck with injuries of late. But, you know, there was a time when people thought that Eduardo was the better player. You know, he won the U.S. Amateur, you know, you know, a decade or so ago, more than that, and uh, at, uh, at Marion. And, and then remember, remember Mateo Manacero, who, you know, was playing pro events at 17, 18. Now he's fallen off. Uh, but these are names from Italy. And, you know, Italy is getting the Ryder Cup in um, – Rome is getting it in uh, 2022 – and Molinari talked about this a little bit afterward. You know, he's like, he's like, there's been a lot of talk and there's been a lot of good players in Italy, but there hasn't been the response, you know, from, from the leaders, you know. And so, you know, they're like a lot of countries that are sort of fledgling when it comes to developing golf, trying to figure out, you know, the best way to capitalize on these names. And, and, and listening to him, it sounded like they have yet to do that. Uh, I think it's exciting. Obviously, we're, we've got the Ryder Cup in Paris, and, and then the fact that it will be moving to Italy, we know how much a difference this helps to growing the game globally. Uh, another guy who was a pretty cool customer, Xander Shoffley, uh, aside from the 17th hole there, just playing pretty steady, didn't get it done, but gosh, I'm impressed with this guy. You know, he won the Tour Championship last year, Rookie of the Year, second at the Players. I thought he might get it done. Yeah, pretty good U.S. Open this year, too. You know, very quietly was in the top ten. And, and uh, you know, he's got nothing to be ashamed of. Really, none of them do. You know, that golf course was one swing away from disaster the whole time, despite the fact that it seemingly played easier than we thought it would. You know, because the rough wasn't as bad. But as you saw, when guys got in that rough, you know, even though you, you, you could find the ball, it was no bargain. It happened to Tiger. It turned the club over. It turned his round around. 
having to hit out of that stuff. And uh, you got in those pot bunkers. I mean, Shoffley had about three of those shots in a row where he looked like he was standing on his head to try to hit the ball out of him. And, uh, and, and, and did quite well, I thought, to, to manage that. Uh, you know, it's, it's got to be, I, I would hope it's a confidence booster for him, you know, to be in that setting and really to hold his own. And, every, you know, Jordan made mistakes. Jordan didn't make a birdie Sunday. You know, so if you want to point fingers at anybody, I would I would do it towards that guy. You know, he's he's the one who's been there many many times already in his short career, and really had a rough day Sunday. And uh, you know, seventy six and you know the eight under one, and he was starting. He started the day nine under. You know, a one over par round gets him in a playoff. You know, so he's, I'm sure he's thought many many times about how how you know how uh, how, how that got away. He, easy that would be to accomplish but but obviously it wasn't yeah three bogeys and that double bogey on six the par five uh that uh did not create the momentum early on in the round that's for sure no it act and it actually is what sent the place buzzing because that meant that so many people were in it including tiger you know who really played the first 10 holes beautifully you know he managed the game nicely made two birdies um, made some great par saves. That shot he hit at the tenth, when he was in that that pot bunker, um, you know, if he had gone on to win the tournament, that that might have gone down as a shot of his career, because because I don't know how you get that ball out of there, let alone hit it 140 yards over a burn onto the green or front of the green. You know, it was just remarkable, and it just showed what his the skill he still has. You know, that ball could have easily been in the face of that bunker and back at his feet. And instead, uh, you know, it's on the green, uh, and he's got about a 15-footer for birdie. It was just remarkable. Um, but just like everybody else, you know, it doesn't take much to run into trouble there. And I think what was good for Tiger was, um, you know, he, he had those bad holes, 11 and 12. But he, he played one under from there. You know, if anything, we've seen him not be able to recover from these bad finishes, but he did. He 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 uh, he made a birdie at 14. He nearly chipped in for birdie on 17, and he hit a great shot into 18 and didn't make it, unfortunately. But it was uh, it was a really you know I thought it was a great step forward for him, and it gets him in the Bridgestone now. He barely made it in there, and and now all of a sudden there's the possibility for a lot of golf for Tiger over these next several weeks. Absolutely, and he said, I did everything the way I thought I needed to to win the championship. Uh, that's going to create even more buzz and excitement as we move uh, into August and approach the final major of the year. We thank you, Bob, as always. Hope you get a little rest up now that you're back from across the pond, and um, we always appreciate you spending some time with the Golf Insiders. Bob Herrick, ESPN.com. Thanks so much. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, 96.9 The Game. More golf talk coming up. We shanked that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. Got the struggler's blues. The struggler's blues. We're back. The Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house. Ali G and... We are wrapping up the Open Championship. It never disappoints. Carnoustie was nice. Carnoustie was nasty. And on Sunday, we had quite a leaderboard. 
But Francesco Molinari, who's been one of the hottest players in recent weeks, was rock steady and now holds the title Champion Golfer of the Year, the first major champion of Italy. I bet you there was a lot of pasta and some good red wine going down late Sunday night. And he was there. He's been there for a couple of weeks from the Scottish Open to all the coverage for Morning Drive. The co-host of Morning Drive, Damon Hack, joining us. Hello, my friend. Holly G, how are you, pal? Well, I know that uh, you also had Midnight Drive while you were over there. (laughs) We did. That was a lot of fun. I tell you, we love the Open Championship, and, and to be there... Uh, at Carnoustie, which was hosting for a ninth time, and to be able to lead into first round coverage on the, you know, midnight Eastern time and come on the air 5 a.m. Carnoustie time was just an absolute treat. How does that work with your time clock? I, I was right there with you. I, I can't get enough of it. I love to watch it live. Well, my body clock is all over the place, so it was actually uh, nothing weird for me to get up at uh, 3.30 in the morning. Um, that's what I do here in, in Orlando for Golf Channel and Morning Drive. So it was just uh, doing it on British summertime as opposed to uh, Eastern Daylight Time. But I tell you, when you're covering major championships, you just go. You run on adrenaline. You love the storylines, especially when you're over there and being in the United Kingdom, you know, the home of golf. You know, we're 11 miles away from St. Andrews. I was lucky enough to play there on the Monday night of uh, Open Championship week. I'd never played the old course, so it was just a magical uh, fortnight for me going to Gullen first and then wrapping it up at Carnoustie. Oh, how how wonderful. Uh, so, you know, there were just, we, we say it every time, so many storylines, so many guys who put themselves in position uh, to potentially win this thing. At one point, what were there, six, seven guys bunched at six under, uh, all, you know, maybe ten within a couple shots of the lead. It, it got pretty uh, jam-packed there on the back nine, as, you know, we expect uh, at, a, at a major like the Open. Absolutely, and, and it was the names that, that we wanted to have. I mean, we had Tiger Woods in contention in a major and uh, with Jordan Spieth and Rory McIlroy and Kevin Kistner and some new names, you know, like Xander Shoffley in the mix and, of course, Francesco Molinari playing alongside Tiger and, you know, basically pulling a Y.E. Yang. You know, the last time someone had won a major playing alongside Tiger Woods was Y.E. Yang back in 2009. So uh, you, you said it beautifully. You know, he was rock solid, tee to green, which is his game, got up and down, made the putts, uh, you know, won the Quicken Loans National, had Tiger hand him a trophy, uh, you know, outside the nation's capital, uh, outplayed Rory McIlroy at the BMW PGA Championship at Wentworth outside of London. I actually was there for that and interviewed Francesco after that big win. So, you know, we'll see Francesco in Paris as well at the Ryder Cup. What a world-class player who's playing at the height of his power right now. Speaking of Tiger, um, you've covered him for so long. Clearly a little a bit of a misfire on the par 4 11th when he hit that three iron, uh, which, you know, ended up double bogey, then bogey on twelve. So for that brief time, his taking the lead, you know, that that sort of put the brakes on. But afterwards, he said, you know, I'm keeping it. I keep it in perspective, given where I was to where I am now. I'm very blessed. We've heard that B word out of Tiger a lot. Blessed. And, um, you know, he, he really seems to be 
taking it one step at a time and not getting ahead of himself. Yeah, I think he's looking at the big picture at this point. I mean, he loved having his kids waiting for him off the 18th green and the, the big bear hug they had, the bear hugs he used to have with his mom and dad he's now having with his kids. He's in a different place in his life, but I think he's taking the long view in the wide view and smelling the flowers and knowing that, hey, he's lucky to even be playing golf after all of his issues off the golf course, uh, you know, family-wise, health-wise. He's in a much better place. And from a golf standpoint, you know, he's six, seven months into this comeback, you know, with the knowledge that, hey, Greg Norman nearly won an Open at 54. Tom Watson nearly won an Open at 59. Jack Nicklaus won the Masters at 46. Ernie Els, Darren Clark, Phil Mickelson won the Open in their 40s. So he knows that he has as much quality in class of those gentlemen, if not more, uh, in terms of his skill set and talent. So uh, Tiger is, knows that it was an opportunity. He wasn't able to cash in his chips, just like uh, at the Valspar and Bay Hill. But I think he's going to look at the, the wide and big picture and say, you know what, I was in the mix once again on a major championship. It had been some time. And the next time, you know, maybe it'll be a little bit better. Maybe he'll hold the lead a little longer and, and figure out how to way to, to carry it across the, the tape. But I think uh, he has to look at big picture and say this was a positive week uh, for Tiger Woods. I want to ask you about an, another guy who was in the mix who's been close several times, uh, Kevin Kisner. You know, he's such a, such a bulldog, kind of has that, I think somebody said, Raymond Floyd sort of stare mm-hmm. and, and grit, you know, about him when he's, you know, just getting, getting the business done. What do you think it's going to take to push Kevin through? Yeah, I think it's going to take uh, what he's just experienced. You know, he held the 54-hole lead at the PGA Championship. In fact, had it after the 18 and 36-hole marks as well uh, at Quail Hollow. Uh, and once again, had a great opportunity at uh, Carnoustie. I think it's just going to take time. What's been interesting to me is how his peers have accepted him. You know, he was playing, you know, playing alongside some of the best players and also some of his peer group, you know, staying in that two house, uh, you know, romper room with the, the, likes the of, frat of houses speech and Ricky Fowler. Absolutely. So that, that gives him some props and lets him know, Hey, you know, I'm a president's cup player. Uh, I might be on the Ryder cup team and now I'm contending in major championships. Uh, he's a great ball striker. I think his putting sometimes can get a little sideways, but it's so hard to win golf tournaments to play 72 holes. And that's what made Francesco's run so impressive to play 37 holes bogey free, uh, including on Sunday at that golf course. You know, everybody had their mistakes. You know, Tiger had his double. Spieth had his double. Kisner had his as well. Um, I think Kisner is doing everything right. He's knocking on the door finding himself in big tournaments like the match play uh, where he lost to Bubba Watson in the final. Uh, he's doing all the right things. You just have to keep kicking down the door, and eventually I believe it'll open for kids. We're talking with Damon Hack, co-host of the Golf Channel, uh, Morning Drive on Golf Channel. Uh, Jordan saying he was pleased coming out of this week and, and interesting said, I'm not going to win every time. You know, you hear these guys week after week talk about what it takes just to get in the mix and be there on Sunday on the back nine. But both he and Rory, very positive coming out of their rounds on Sunday. And I think that's fair. I mean, Jordan Spieth's putter has been absolutely quiet in 2018, uh, and it was alive for much of last week at Carnoustie, though it, I think it definitely let him down on the back nine when he missed some short putts. That has been his problem. But listen, the kid is 24, about to turn 25 in a couple of days. He has three major championships, and, and when he's not winning majors, he's 
he's somehow working his way into the story. You know, the Masters in 2014 alongside Bubba, he was very close. We all know what happened in 2016 when he had that five-shot lead and then bogey 10 and bogey 11 and has a disastrous triple on 12. But time and time again, you know, he finds his way into the major championship conversation. Shot 64 on Sunday to put a scare into Patrick Reed at the Masters. Um, we're holding him to an extremely high standard. I was impressed that he took the, the positive spin and said, hey, you know, I know I shot 76, but my putter came to life on a very difficult golf course. He, his quality is so good. His toughness, his resiliency, all of those qualities that make major champions and World Golf Hall of Fame members, he has in spades. I, I think Jordan Spieth is going to be just fine. As I heard Justin Leonard say earlier last week, great putters don't become bad putters. Great putters have bad patches. I think he's starting to shake free of his bad patch. And uh, before we let you go, Damon, I know all eyes are on Brandel Chambly, your very <laughs> own, who yes. made it qualified for the Senior Open Championship. I'm so proud of Brandel. He put himself out there. This is someone who is not shy to voice an opinion, to critique some golf swings, notably that of the 14-time major champ. Uh, I think he earned some street cred. He's a PGA Tour winner, um, and he really put himself out there in his mid-50s to try to qualify. He could have embarrassed himself. Instead, he was the medalist at Scott's Craig. Uh, he's got his wife, uh, Bailey Chambly, with him, Bailey Moser on Morning Drive. And I just, I, I'm proud of him. I'm proud of Gary Koch. Two guys that, you know, carry a microphone, you know, nine times out of ten to be able to go out there and qualify for St. Andrews. What an incredible moment for each of them. And I think Brandel earned a lot of street cred because he's not afraid to give his opinion. But this shows that there's a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of skill behind those opinions that he gives. Couldn't agree more. I'm going to be rooting for him. Uh, and it's going to be a lot of fun to continue to watch more golf in the early morning with my Danish and my cup of coffee. Damon? <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, I look forward to catching up with you, hopefully around the PGA. There'll be a lot of great storylines uh, then as well in St. Louis. I'm heading there on Monday of uh, PGA Championship Week. All right. Damon Hack, catch him every morning. Morning drive. Thanks so much, my friend. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, 96.9 The Game. We'll be right back. Hey, Harry, thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us. Well, it's my job to keep all those nuts away from you, Jake. That's just the way it is. Don't play it pebble. We're back. Won't the Gulf Insiders the in the house. Holly G. As we continue to wrap nice. up the Spend Open Championship, Francesco Molinari, his first career major championship and first major for Italy. Fantastic finish. And we're going to go to Jeff Shane from PGATour.com and Pro Golf Weekly to get his thoughts. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing tonight? Doing great. And the Open Championship never disappoints me, Jeff. I don't know about you, but it's right up there, pretty close to the Masters in terms of my favorite tournament. I really think, I was doing this the other night, trying to think of a um, Sunday at the Open that didn't have something compelling going on. And half the time it was something weirdly compelling going on. Uh, didn't have to have that this time with uh, all those names on the leaderboard, but uh, I, I think we, uh, I know I've, I've said it to others, I forget whether I've said it to you, I am uh, just continue to be impressed 
with what Francesco Molinari did by playing an entire weekend at Carnoustie without a bogey. Yeah, no doubt about that. We talked about it earlier. And to do it playing alongside Tiger Woods and all that that takes to manage as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's, uh, that's another overlooked part of that entire Sunday performance is, uh, you, know, you know and I know having walked enough holes with Tiger, there is a lot of buzz going on, people leaving a hole early to run ahead and get a spot for the next hole. And Molinari just let it all roll off his back and produced, I think, what's going to be a very underrated, undervalued uh, final round. But when we look back at the entire year, it might be the best final round of a major. Yes, and certainly um, given how you know, Tiger came close, we know that frenzy is just going to keep building now that he's made it to the WGC at uh, Bridgestone, which he's won eight times. Hello. And uh, the possibilities for the PGA Championship in August. And honestly, when, when you sit down and you think about it, if you're looking for a place where maybe Tiger can pull off the win and, and break, uh, you know, break that, that winless streak and the drought, uh, he, might, he might have found his place at Firestone. Of course, we said that for Bay Hill. We kind of said that for Torrey Pines, but that was very early in his comeback when we, we still didn't have really a full idea of what Tiger is capable of doing. But now that he's in, at Bridgestone and, and, and he gets one more crack at Firestone Country Club, I think there's going to be a lot of people that think he can win there and end the dry spell. Well, there was some other golf going on. The Barbasol, which probably got a little bit more attention because it carried over to Monday, a Monday finish due to weather. <laughs> and uh, it had a pretty interesting leaderboard. Billy Horschel was uh, on top, I believe, on Saturday. Hunter Mahan, who, you know, continues to be sort of a mystery in terms of what's happened to his game. But Troy Merritt taking it home and, and winning. Uh, and I guess also, uh, you know, being noted as having one of the best beards on tour. <laughs> hey, you got to be known for something, right? And uh, Troy Merritt will not be known as a one-hit wonder now because this was his second PGA Tour victory. Uh, he won the Quicken Loans National, what was it, three years ago, maybe four years ago, uh, and, and made that his first PGA Tour win. And he's had a couple of wins on the web.com side. So, uh, you know, one of those guys that is, you know, maybe at that second or third level, but given the proper week, and the guy shot 23 under par over, well, four rounds, five days. So he had a pretty darn good week, and he still only won by a shot over Billy Horschel and Richie Wierenski. And this week we have the RBC Canadian Open, which next year is going to follow the U.S. Open, correct, with the change it's of schedule? Going pre- it's going to precede the U.S. Open, and I think that's – uh, that that's maybe the most exciting move in the whole schedule uh, for me because uh, as as I wrote a year ago uh, in the blog, I thought the Canadian Open just you know kind of got stuck in a lousy spot with you know the uh, major championship on one side and then on the other side you have a World Golf Championships followed by another major championship and so that just really put a squeeze on them. But now that it gets to be the first 
of that triple crown of opens. I'm hoping a lot more players will, will use it as a tune-up uh, for, for next year's U.S. Open, and, and we'll get to see a, a much bigger turnout. At uh, uh, It's not going to be at Glen Abbey next year. I think it's going to be at Essex Country Club. And so who are you looking at? It's a you know good field, given the fact that a lot of these guys are you know, flew back from Scotland and, you know, teeing it up and, and going to be playing in the in the Canadian Open, which I think is, is it the third oldest major championship? I mean, it, there's a lot of yeah. history. Yeah, it, it's, it's the third oldest national championship. Obviously, the one we just played, having completed its 147th edition, uh, and then the U.S. Open and the Canadian Open goes back to, I believe it's 1903. They're playing their 109th edition. So, uh, yeah, it, again, that's part of the reason why I was very glad to see it get out of, you know, kind of purgatory on the scheduling. But, uh, but uh, Dustin Johnson uh, is, uh, is in the field. He's a favorite. His scoring average is 68 and change. He's never won it. So maybe this is his opportunity to do it. But uh, uh, the, there's Brooks Kepka also in the field. I like Charlie Hoffman. He has gone... Uh, in his last three, all in the top 20, uh, and his last two were tied for seventh and a playoff loser to Jonathan Vegas. And don't forget, in this one, too, Vegas is trying to become the first man since 2011, first man in Canadian Open history, perhaps, to win three in a row. And if that's the case, uh, I foresee a petition drive to give him citizenship and change his name to Johnny Toronto. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um Speaking of citizenship and, and uh, you know, guys that we thought, you know, maybe, maybe might pull through in the Open Championship, Tommy Fleetwood's also in this tournament. I thought yeah. we'd see a little bit more out of him um, over the weekend at Carnoustie, but that wasn't the case. Well, and it seems like he, ha- he has the, op- uh, the, the capability of really going low in a round uh, on the big stage, we've seen it, seen it at, at each of the last two U.S. Opens. We saw it, I believe it was on Friday uh, at Carnoustie. He has the capability of doing it at any time, and I think we're going to see a lot more of him. It's now just making those other three rounds just a little bit better, but on a place like uh, Glen Abbey, maybe it's a good place for Tommy Fleawood to get a first PGA Tour win. Brooks, Brooks Kepka is also in the field. He was my pick for the Open, um, although I had my sights on Molinari, too, just by virtue of how well he had been playing. But I thought maybe, you know, Brooks had the mojo going for Lynx, and, uh, but, you know, was surprised at his finish. Yeah, he was playing really well up until Sunday, and I guess, you know, Carnoustie, you know, doesn't discriminate. It, it up and grabs everybody. And let's face it, Brooks did a better job at Carnoustie than Dustin Johnson and Justin Thomas did because they were on the first flight home. Uh, but uh, I, I do think that Kepka uh, is going to continue to steadily get better. I really like his game. Uh, he may not be a guy that, that will win, you know, kind of your tier two uh, PGA Tour events, I don't see him winning, you know, a Greenbrier or a Texas Open. But when the stage is a little bigger, and, and honestly, the courses are a little bigger, we start to see him on a very consistent basis. So, Jeff, it's that time. going to ask you, who do you think is going to win the RBC Canadian Open on Sunday? Sunday! I, uh, well, I, I like Dustin Johnson, but I... Maybe this is just a sentimental thing because of what, how close he has come in the last two years. 
I am going to pick Charlie Hoffman to finally break through at Glen Abbey this week. Yeah, and Charlie was in the mix also at Carnoustie on Sunday. You know, he I th- was early on. He's got game. I've, I'd love to see Charlie pull through. No doubt about it. Well, as always, Jeff, we appreciate your time. Go check out his latest blog at thegolfinsiders.com. Thank you, my friend. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, 96.9 The Game. We'll be right back. Well, I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf. Then I had to teach them to sing, and then I taught them to play various instruments, none of which they do very well. I want my dream. Yeah, yeah, really not so lean and mean. I got We're back. The Golf Insiders right. wrapping up an hour of intelligent golf talk in the house. Holly G. And we have a very special event coming to Orlando that begins on Monday, July 30th. It's the 38th annual National Veteran Wheelchair Games. Over 600 athletes and over 14 sporting events will begin the six-day competition. And for the first time, golf is going to be part of the games. And this is really exciting and a very good friend who is participating in terms of supporting the event, uh, the indoor part of the golf event with uh, some competitions on indoor simulators, is Sly Terry, the president of the World Golf Center, who delivers portable golf entertainment and is going to be doing a great service over the next week at the National Veteran Wheelchair Games. Sly, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Holly. Thanks for having me on. Well, tell me a little bit about your involvement. This, um, of course, is it's really exciting to see that adaptive golf is becoming part of the National Veteran Wheelchair Games. I was surprised. I had seen a piece on this this morning on Morning Drive on the Golf Channel. Uh, again, like I mentioned, that this is the 38th annual and just you know like the olympics it's not an official part of the games yet but very exciting that these um you know uh, veterans are going to get a chance to participate and play golf absolutely there's quite a few adaptive golf organizations out there holly as you know fairways for warriors sloop military golf but having this event on this national stage is is very exciting can you tell me a little bit about how, I, I know I think um, on uh, Thursday, I believe, the 2nd, they will be having at Shingle Creek the Paralyzed Veterans Golf Open, and that's, uh, that's a one-day event tournament, and then there'll be indoor activities, and that's what you're part of, correct, at the Orange County Convention Center, which is where most of the events are taking place. That's correct. Yes, uh, most of the events are everything from baseball, rowing, soccer, basketball, everything you would expect to see at an Olympic event, really. Uh, these wheelchair athletes will pr- be participating in everything you could imagine. But this year, there will be a golf simulator. It happens to be the World Golf Center simulator at the West Hall uh, in a room set up by full sail that will have virtual hang gliding and some other events that are being considered as competition uh, for the wheelchair athletes. Yeah, and they've got basketball, 
rugby, soccer, baseball. You were telling me they've got, you know, a baseball diamond set up inside the convention center. Right. Uh, you know, this is, this is really exciting. It is, and we are excited to be a part of it. Uh, and I heard Dave uh, Tostenrud's interview this morning as well. Solo rider cart and para golfer carts are designed for better access for these athletes on golf courses without tearing up the grounds. But our system with the World Golf Center doesn't need any special equipment. Uh, our turf is designed. We're, as you mentioned, a portable golf event company, so we take this thing across the country in mostly indoor environments. And we've had people in wheelchairs roll up to the tee, grab a club, and go at it. Yeah, I think um, accessibility for you know many uh, disabled golfers has really come such a long way including the fact that now even at the PGA Merchandise Show every year, which we have uh, in Orlando in January, there is actually a whole section uh, of the show that's dedicated to adaptive golf. Yeah, it's gotten bigger every year, actually. Uh, And again, I'm part of a charity that does support adaptive golf and combat-wounded veterans. Uh, And we did meet, have a conversation with, that's how we got in, to the uh, National Wheelchair Games. It started as a conversation in January and led to us being in the convention center next week as a, a big part of the growth of the game. Uh, you mentioned the carts, which has been so key to helping many of these you know, veterans who uh, use wheelchairs due to spinal cord injuries or you know, neurological conditions or other you know, mobility impairments. Um, there's what's called the solo cart. There's a stand-up cart, uh, you know, where literally you know, they're buckled in so they can make a make a full swing. There's yep. some carts with rotating seats. Uh, you know, probably you know one of the the most recognized um, uh, uh, excuse me disabled golfers is is um, uh, Dennis Walters who actually right. won um, an award this year at the U.S. Open, longtime friend who does, uh, you know, his trick shot shows. And D- Dennis's dad, uh, back, you know, he was an aspiring PGA Tour player whose brakes failed on his cart when he was, I think, maybe 22. He was just starting out on the tour. He was thrown from the cart and paralyzed from the waist down. He was told he was never going to play golf again. And his father said, Nope, we're gonna we're gonna change that and really built the first golf cart with a swivel seat off the back so that he could continue to hit golf balls and that led into this remarkable career, uh, you know, entertaining people all over the world. Right, and of course, adapt probably a part of that design of the cart that you were mentioning uh, for those that have some use of their lower body, they can swivel, and then for uh, double amputee, paraplegics, or people that have no use of their lower body, as you mentioned, there's another cart that the player is strapped into, and it positions them into the traditional golf position so they can make the bigger swings and probably get a little more power out of it. So how is it going to work um, in the indoor event? 
the, the simulator that, that uh, you have donated? Is, is, are there going to be competitions, a tournament? Is this more of a recreational part of the event? Yeah, this will be a recreational part of the event. It's part of the expo area, if you will. So as event between events or as people are going to and from other of the normal events, we are there with the other virtual reality uh, systems to give people and the wheelchair athletes an opportunity to try something new and different, and uh, as well as hopefully we'll get some of the guys that are going to play in the February, August 2nd tournament, they'll get a chance to come in and work on their game. Um, our, Polly, as you know, our golf simulator has 30 different golf courses, including Pebble Beach, Spyglass, and a world-class driving range that will give them club head speed, face angles, uh, all of the stats that you would need as a high-end golfer. But it is equally entertaining for a novice golfer, and we'll be able to give, actually, some beginner lessons. Now, your company, the World Golf Center, uh, does indoor and outdoor events. Uh, share with our listeners if they're thinking about you know, something that they need, either entertainment for a corporate event or you know, celebration of a big milestone birthday or you know th- this this is something they can they can call you and you can set up uh and create a lot of fun for absolutely thanks for asking for party super bowl customer appreciation absolutely the system that we're going to feature at the convention center it features the same software that you'll see on the golf channel when they're doing fixture games so you'll be able to see ball flight and all that information in real time as you play actual golf equipment. Uh, That system, we've been featured at conventions and large corporate events. Uh, Car dealerships are using it to give, we can give away up to $50,000 in a hole-in-one prize coverage. Anything that can be done on an outdoor golf course, we can replicate with that golf system up to eight players at a time. We also have, uh, when you mentioned the outdoor unit, we have another system that's features flight scope launch monitors that we have a outdoor cage that we bring. We can, we've done events in parks, in parking lots. We've done some taste ofs and community events, and we've done bachelor parties where we've been hired to come and sit in the driveway and the backyard, and we're part of the entertainment of the evening. That's we it. also have a smaller, for small business venues, grand openings, that type of thing. We have a four-by-eight-foot piece of high-grade turf that has a putting simulator on it. We can simulate up to a 100-foot putt, but one of our most popular games is uh, a six-foot area where 500 is the popular game. Well, so I... We have different sizes, indoor, outdoor, from corporate events all the way down to, as you mentioned, backyard parties. Yeah, and I know this is a terrific vehicle for fundraising events. And uh, if people want to get in touch with you, Sly, how do they go about it? Well, we've got a complicated website name. It is theworldgolfcenter.com, which happens to be the name of the company, The World Golf Center. And you can reach us by phone at 321-246-7924. And we're available from the entire eastern seaboard, 
from Maine to Miami, we bring golf to you. All right. Sly Terry, theworldgolfcenter.com. If you're looking for some fun and excitement to add to your event, give him a call. He will customize your needs. Thank you so much, Sly. And if you want to learn more about the wheelchair games, go to wheelchairgames.org. You can live stream it. It begins Monday, finishes Saturday, August 4th. And if you want to take your kids to something truly inspiring, you can get tickets. Kids are for, go free. There's an opening ceremony, a closing ceremony at the Orange County Convention Center. We've got a tea time. we got to go. Golf Insiders. Bye-bye.